Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Follow us if we go on tour, go on the hill, and on the road. 
Mm-hmm. Real quick, uh, before we bring in, I believe we have uh, Skipper Dale on hold. Before we bring him on, first we want to send our condolences. I know this isn't wrestling related, but since we do our uh, communications and uh, do work with people outside of the wrestling business, we want to send our condolences to a lady named Christine Kavanaugh. You may not recognize her name, but she's a very legendary voice actor. She did the voice of Babe from the Babe movie. She also did the voice of Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory. Also, she did the voice of Chucky in uh, the TV show Rugrats, and also Gosling from the great TV cartoon Darkwing Duck. So, spent mm-hmm. today at the age of 51. Um, her death, her cause of death is unknown. We just want to send condolences to her um, and her family. So, with all that being said, we're going to bring in the man of the hour. Welcome to Under the Mat Radio. Is this Skip Bedell? How we doing, guys? Yes, it is. How's it hey, going? Skip, how you doing, baby? How we doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Doing thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's good to be here. Thanks. You guys, uh, you guys catch any of the show this season? Actually, I'm a big yeah. fan, Skip. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. Yes, yes. Um, first, I want to thank you for coming on to the show. Um, what would you do? You want us to call you Skip, Mr. Skip, Mr. Bedell? Would you rather us call you? <laughs> Yeah, just skip. Just skip is good. That worked. Okay. Uh, with that being said, I'm gonna turn it over real quick to uh, correspondent Shimbley, so we can start it off. All right. Um, first of all, I'm a big fan. Got your contractor show, Skip. So that's why I got had to have you on the show. Um, honestly, I am very surprised from the last episode, uh, episode ten, season two, that you haven't killed anybody yet. You know, all the people who does this. Happy contract to work. You know what, man? Um, I'll tell you, it's um, it's a really tough thing to do because uh, you know they they put a lot of holes on us. You know that obviously they want to try to keep it um, to where it doesn't get too crazy. And don't forget, I mean, you, you only you see what you see on the TV. But there's a lot of stuff that you know that actually they they don't show because you know they they don't want it to come off like uh, like we're being bullies and we're beating up on these guys. But I got to tell you, man, it, it's a big test of my patience. Because these guys definitely know how to push my buttons, and as you can see, if you've been watching the show, some of these guys are real clowns, man. Well, uh, to tell you the truth, you talk about bullying, but I gotta say, and I, this is not a personal opinion. I, I hear friends of mine say this, but Adam Carolla, even though he don't seem like it, and I'm a big fan of Adam Carolla too, you seem like he's a bully when he heckles the guys when they come back to uh, to work on a project. Well, uh, I got to tell you, man, I know Adam Carolla, you know, on and off the camera, and I can vouch for the guy that he is definitely a stand-up guy. Um, when it comes to, to doing what we're doing on this show, you know, it, it's kind of like boot camp with these guys because they come in, they're so resistant, they got such an attitude, they're all full of their ego and all their bullshit and everything. Um, you know, we, we try to make it hard on them because – we're finding that, you know, there's, there's a couple of different type of characters that we've been running into now that we've got two seasons under our belts. Um, you know, there are some guys out there that, you know, that, that are contractors that are actually in this business, and I think they just get in over their head. They try to do something. Maybe they step outside their bounds a little bit, um, and they realize halfway through that they're not capable of getting the job done, and they bail out. It doesn't make it any, any you know, it doesn't make it right. Um, but then we're also finding that there's, there's guys out there that are just straight up, you know, just criminals that never had any intention of doing the work at all. They're just going to come in and rob your mom, take all the money, and never had any intention of doing the work. 
So those guys, you know, we don't think we can screw those guys at all, man. You know, so we just try to we try to give them the hardest time we possibly can to make sure that they never go out and do this again to anybody else. Now, actually, I had my question. My question to you was: I think we already covered all of it, but uh, in in further PR detail, can you tell the fans out there who haven't watched uh, the, the guidelines? Yeah, um, basically what we do, we, we take stories from people that write into our show on catchacontractor.com that have been ripped off or bamboozled or whatever you want to call it by these, these uh, so-called contractors. Um, and, you know, for the most part, they've had their houses ruined or their money stolen, whatever the case may be. We hear their stories and we, we go out and we see them. And uh, once we, we hear what's going on with them, we go out and try to make contact with these guys. Most of the time, we can't find them because they've either changed their name or their phone number. They moved out of state. And that's when we get my wife, Allison, involved. She's a private investigator. She's a third member of our team. She goes out and does all the PI work. She tracks these guys down. She does surveillance on them sometimes for weeks or months. Once we finally find them, we set them up by giving them a phone call, and we ask them to come and give us an estimate on a house, on a job that we want to have done, whatever, a kitchen job or bathroom, whatever it might be. So when they pull up to this house that they think is going to be an estimate they're coming to do, it's really set up as a sting house. And we have the whole place wired up with our whole crew with hidden cameras. And, and it, it's, 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 a, you know, it's, it's a crazy production, man. You know, when they come through the door, they ring the bell. They think they're there to give an estimate. And then we spring out on them with a picture of the people that they screwed over, you know, maybe a year prior. And, hey, remember these people? who, by the way, are sitting in the back room and watching the whole thing uh, on monitors. You know, nobody knows that, but they're always in the back and watch what's going on. So, you know, we, we put them on the spot, man. You know, we hit them hard right out of the gate, and they're never happy to see us. I can tell you that right away. You've seen it gets pretty confrontational. It gets pretty heated because they're kind of like a wild animal backed into a cage. And, uh, you know, the bottom line is what we hope to do is one of three things. We give them an option. They can either give back all the money to the people that they stole. They can come back and get the job done right under our supervision. Or we're going to help the people take them to court. So that's pretty much what it's all about. All right. And uh, your mom, Skip, of course, you have a background in MMA, being an MMA fighter. Um, I know a lot of times in shows you have crews with bodyguards. Can you give us a couple of instances where, where you know, made it on air, off air, where have any of these bad faulty contractors come against you and tried to fight you physically? And have you ever tried to, um, you know, have to defend yourself? Uh, yeah, it, it's, it gets pretty dicey in some of these situations because, again, these guys are never happy to see us, man. So, yeah, there's been a lot of pushing, a lot of shoving. Uh, there's been uh, a number of physical confrontations. Uh, so far, the security guards have not really had to step in and uh, save the day at any point. And, you know, i got to tell you, man, I'm really hoping that somebody does take a swing on me. Um, it's been a lot of pushing so far and a lot of cursing and running for the door. Um, you know, and we keep thinking that this is going to be the one. We have this ongoing joke with the security guys. I keep telling it before every single of them, like, this might be the one, man. This is going to be the one, dude. You know, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping because then I'll have some reason to uh, lay somebody out. You know? 
Uh, yeah, no, it, it definitely gets pretty crazy, and uh, we do have the security there for everybody's protection because, we, you know, we don't have any metal detectors at the doors. We don't know these guys. A lot of them have criminal records. They have violent backgrounds, and they're coming to a place that they don't know why they're there. And when we spring out on them, you know, really anything could happen. And I think up to this date, we've kind of gotten lucky that there hasn't been any major, major problems with weapons or anything like that. But, you know, you never know. So it's important that we have security in place. Well, they, um, if you can also, Skip, let us know. How did this idea of the show come about? I know this show was similar to when we had talked to Shannon my co-host NFC Game Boy how before you mm-hmm. show was Catch a Predator and I'm sure you're familiar with that show where you know uh, <laughs> to come in catch the predators or whatnot, and now you have your show yeah. how to, uh, to catch a contractor um, let us know how the idea of the show came about and how everything came the way you was able to get it on TV well the producers um, all producers that we work with I work a super talented group of people out in California they approached us uh, with this idea. They had come up with the concept, basically. And um, I think the idea is amazing because there's such a need for it. You know, there's so many people out there that uh, that have been in this situation. And it's something that really everybody can relate to. But uh, when they came to us with the idea, we kind of jumped on it, you know, because there's nothing like this ever been put on television with the exception of the show that you're just talking about, the Catch a Predator show. Um, but that's that's a little bit, obviously, a different, uh, different scenario. Um, but this is something that, again, being that everybody has a house or, or a place that they live in, that at some point or another will need something worked, you know, worked on, uh, we felt it was something that people could really relate to, and uh, we were excited to be a part of it. And, yeah, that was uh, we're going on probably almost three years ago. The idea was getting kicked around, and we've been going strong with it ever since. So, you know, we're happy to be able to be doing something different. If you watch, like, any of the home improvement networks, the DIY shows, HGTV, which, by the way, I'm a fan of a lot of those shows, um, you know, but there's, there's kind of a, co- a common thread between all of them. You know, when they come in and say, hey, something's wrong with your house, and they fix it, and in the end, everybody hugs it out. But our show is different because uh, we're the only one that's actually going out there and confronting these guys face-to-face, calling them out on all their shit, and dragging them back and making them do it right. So we're proud to say that uh, you know we're the first one in that arena. And so far, we've rescued 21 families and homes uh, in the last two seasons, and we're looking forward to coming into our third season uh, in the spring. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'm going to turn over to uh, NFC Game Boy. Now, uh, my question to you is very complicated. What happens when the person okay, when the person who contacted you... Can you guys hear that echo in the back, or is that just me? Yeah, we, we had an echo, too, when I actually showed what the problem is. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm going to check on it. It's just on my end. All right. Okay, nice. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. What happens when the person that contacts you is the bad guy? Um, the person that contacts you is the 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 person that he's supposed to be looking for. How would you how would you you go about it if uh, a situation like that arises? All right, so explain. I'm, I'm not sure quite sure I understand what it is that you're saying. The person that we're looking okay. for were to contact us directly? 
contact yes. directly. Let's say the yeah. let's say the person contacts you and he wants you to find um, someone else, but he's a scumbag himself. <laughs> how how would how would you go about uh, dealing with that person? Well, I got to tell you, we did have one episode, and it's the only one that we've had so far. Um, that the homeowners did contact us, and they kind of had some ulterior motives. They were looking just to get a free fix out of out of wow. the show. Which, by the way, you know our our show pays for everything. So when you see us come in and do this whole remodel, the show does it all. So we're finding now that we're getting contacted by some people that are just looking to uh, you know to make up some nonsense and get their house fixed. So anyway, in the first season we wound up dealing with a, a setup like that to where these people called us in on this contractor to did some work, and it turned out they kicked the guy out of the house. They just didn't want to pay the balance that they owed him. And as we got to know the guy a little bit better, we realized that they were the ones actually lying to us. And uh, by then, we were already about halfway into the fix on the job, so we, we decided to continue it and fix the house uh, and finish it only because they had a young child that was in danger of the way that it was left. And if you had seen that episode in the first season, you would know that we, we flipped the whole show kind of on them. And at the end, you know, we, we kind of made it look like, um, you know, we realized they were they were lying to us the whole time. And it turned out the contractor was a good mm. guy. So that was, that was the one situation where we had a flip like that. And, you know, those people are out there, man. I would expect coming into season three that anything is possible. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get contacted by some more people like that. Okay, okay. Uh, was kept good news Thank again, you. and since uh, you were a very tough guy, even technology seemed to be scared of you. Since uh, you asked about the Echo, and ironically, the Echo was gone now. So, uh, Yeah, dude, nice. That's so, I was having a hard time hearing that. That's so much better now. Yeah, it is. We do apologize. Okay. We've never had that issue before. Um, is it okay, Skip, are we uh, bringing a couple of callers? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. Hey, we're going to bring one in now. How are you, Code T for Zero? Welcome to Under the Mat Radio with Skip Bedell. My question for Skip, when he was on the Playboy morning show, how flirty were the Playboy <laughs> girls with him? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something, man. That was an experience, uh, dude, because, I, you know, I didn't know what we were, we were going to come into. And, uh, you know, if you watched, I was there with my wife. And, uh, you know, from the moment we walked through the door, there was just naked chicks everywhere. And they had us sit down on the couch in regular interview fashion and were asking us questions. And as they're doing that, they're having girls out in the middle of the floor just do whatever kind of sports they were playing and and whatever activities they were doing. So one thing they were doing, you know how you lay in the snow and make like snow angels? Mm-hmm. Well, they they had a bunch of fake leaves on the floor because we were coming into the fall when we were there and they were going to make leaf angels. <laughs> so, so they got they got these couple of naked girls laying laying there doing leaf angels uh, right in front of us as they're doing our interview, and it made it a little difficult to, uh, to concentrate on what we were talking about. So, <laughs> but it was uh, it was a good time over there. That was you know it's, it's a really uh, it's a really well produced show, and uh, we had a lot of fun with those people. Man. Uh, Cheeky, did you have uh, any more questions for Skip? <clears throat> yeah, my final question is. Do you have any self-defense tips, uh, say, like a bad guy comes after you? I know Dan Severn said the best self-defense tip is to avoid fights, but let's say if you actually are in a fight and have to fight, what is your number one self-defense tip? 
Uh, yeah, my my advice to you, the best self-defense is not to fight, actually. But, you know, of course, if you have to protect yourself, uh, then you got to do what you got to do. I'm a wrestler myself. Uh, I'm a ground fighter. I love to wrestle. And so anything that I'm going to tell you is probably going to be involved with uh, something that's going to be quickly to the ground and finish quickly. So, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of leg sweeps. I'm a big fan of uh, upper body throws. So depending upon what type of fighter you are, uh, I know for me, I'm going to try to take the legs out and go to the ground as quickly as I can and put that person in a situation to where, uh, you know, they're going to be disabled immediately. So I don't know what kind of fight background you have, uh, but that's that's where I would come from. Hey, okay. well, Cheeky, thanks for calling. Very little. All right, thank you. Thank you. Well, yeah, I, um, oh, you you know, I, have, I have a background also on wrestling. I wrestled in my first place in a wrestling tournament and wrestled since I was eight. So I do know that in wrestling, they always say shoot the leg, you know, shoot the leg first or do an ankle pick or whatnot. So, um, uh-huh. since, um, since, 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 uh, one of our uh, faithful listeners, Cheeky Carter, had mentioned we you have a background in MMA and we're good friends with Dana B. Severin. We fed him on the show. Boss Rutten, and uh, we also had Ken Shamrock. And um, oh, one nice. question we asked, one question we asked them, which we'll ask you since you have a background, is uh, your thoughts on Brock Lesnar, and even now with CM Punk now joining MMA, you start to see a lot of wrestlers more um, so getting into UFC or MMA world. Um, what are your thoughts on them? Well, you know, listen, there there's a lot to be said about the professional wrestling world, uh, if you want to call it that. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of theatrical background behind that, and I don't think that's any secret. Uh, but there also are a handful of guys that are very qualified, uh, you know, wrestlers that come from Olympic, uh, long-time All-American collegiate backgrounds. Brock Lesnar, if you follow his career, uh, was a very legitimate champion wrestler, uh, and he absolutely deserves his place to be in that ring and, and contend for any championship belt uh, they'll allow her to contend for. He, you know, he's a big name in wrestling and obviously making his way up uh, as a big name in MMA. And, uh, you know, I'm a fan of Brock's. I think, um, you know, I, th- I think he's got a future ahead of him. I, I understand he's coming into a couple of new deals right now. And, um, you know, I'm excited for him. I hope he, uh, I'm hoping that, uh, that he has a, a good future ahead of him now. Um, Real quick, I want to ask Steve before we turn it back over to um, Shemblade, is um, explain how do you feel about working with your wife? I know a lot of uh, people try to not make business <laughs> or personal. So explain how do, how is it, you know, does, does it bring the marriage together, your wife is a, is a private eye, and um, you being a contract and a May fighter. Uh, explain how um, that helps your relationship being married and how it also sometimes may cause some kind of strain. Well, I will tell you this, that, that being that my wife is, um, you know, a, uh, a professional investigator, I can't get away with anything, guys. That's the first thing I will say. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need cheaters for you. She already the whole cheaters. <laughs> no, man, I, I, I don't roll like that anyway. But even any other little thing, man, just, you know, she makes it tough. No, but she's a, she's a great girl. I'm very lucky because uh, she's my best friend and we have a very cool relationship. You know, you know, obviously we do our thing on the show, but being that we're able to do this together is really a bonus for me um, because, you know, I spend a lot of time on the road. We travel a lot in this last calendar year 
you know, I was away from home for about eight months, you know, on and off flying all around. I think I flew somewhere in the range of about 60 times, um, over that, that period of time, uh, all over the place. So the show takes us everywhere. And if I had to do that alone, uh, it would be hard. It would be hard on any relationship, any marriage, you know? So I think it's a rare opportunity. Not many people in entertainment, um, or any any walk of you know show business at all uh, can say that most of the time their families are at home. You spend a lot of time traveling when you're when in, in this business, and uh, you know we get to do it together. So um, and you know in addition to that, she's really really good at what she does. You know she finds everybody that we're looking for. So the fact that she's my wife um, and that she's also on our team, it really kind of strengthens our relationship too. Our marriage is strong because of it. And, uh, you know, she's a tough chick, man. She's a no-nonsense type of chick, um, which, which I really like about her. But, you know, we obviously have, uh, we have a great relationship off the camera as well. So I feel really blessed that, that we're able to do all this together. Good. <clears throat> what, what have you learned with your wife being a private eye and you being a contractor? Have you ever tried to uh, uh, exchange any, tr- any tips? Have you learned any um, private eye tips from her. She learned any contracting um, tips from you. Uh, well, yeah, actually, um, yeah, she's always telling me stuff, uh, you know, about the, the different equipment that she uses. They have a lot of really cool uh, spy type of equipment, all sorts of cameras hidden in everything you can possibly imagine, from pens to glasses to art clothing, uh, you know. So it's really cool to see some of the technology that they're using these days. Um, and as far as me, you know, showing her stuff uh, with the contracting, you know, she gets to, to come on all these jobs, all of these remodels. And she, uh, you know, she always gets to see what it is that we're working on. And she actually really likes this stuff. We're always doing stuff around the house together as well. So I managed to get her into using a lot of different uh, power tools now and, and trying to teach her uh, how to do some woodworking. Um, so it's kind of cool that we can we can share some of that stuff, you know. And also, in addition to that, she's an expert marksman. Uh, you know, she's full-time carry with the Glock 9, and so I get to go to the range Damn. with her, and we, uh, yeah, we uh, we rip off, uh, you know, a bunch of rounds together. So it's cool to it's cool that we can uh, we can go and we can shoot too. That's not something you get to do with any uh, average chick uh, most of the time. So she's pretty badass when it comes down to it. Hey, real quick, uh, we have another caller, Skip, you don't mind? Uh, are you cold 410? Uh, welcome to Under the Mad Radio with Skip Bedell. Are you cold 410? Hello? Anybody? They hung up, They hung up, man. <laughs> they, 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 they didn't right. hang up, they were just they were scared, scared to talk, so <laughs> you'll probably go out there. <laughs> call if you can't, please call back. Um, uh, well, show Skip is a very tough guy. He's a very nice guy too. So, um, yeah. Um, go ahead, Shane. Um, actually, I wanted to bring back to one episode, Skip, because honestly, this is one of the funniest, at least one of the funniest moments in uh, Catch a Contract in history in his second, in his two seasons. Can you tell the fans out there about that Marine episode where you know the I changed oh. my mind, motherfucker, <laughs> move? oh man all right so so we got this cat manny right and and he's pretending to be a contractor this guy by far is the worst 
carpenter, the worst builder, the worst everything that we've ever come across. And people ask us that question all the time. I've done hundreds of interviews. Oh. Says, Who's the worst guy that you've ever come across? It's always, whether, whether I'm getting interviewed or, or Adam is or anybody, we always say the same thing, Manny Lopez. So as it turns out, when we busted him in, when we busted him in season one, we're like, look, man, you don't have a license. You got no education. You, you don't even know how to use one of these tools, let alone even know the name of the tool, man. You, you're the saddest, most pathetic example of a builder we've ever seen. You got to make sure that you promise us that you are done with this business. You're never going to do this again. And on camera, on national television, he said, dude, I am done, man. You guys rung my bell so hard. I'm never doing this again. So as we're filming that show last season, people are watching the show, and a couple writes into us on the Catch a Contractor website, and they say, oh, my God, we're watching the contractor that screwed us over right now on your show. We know that guy. And in addition to that, in addition to that, the guy that he screwed over, which you saw in season two, this last one, that was his best buddy. They were in the Marines together. So it really, like, added insult to injury. Not only did he rip this guy off, but he ripped off his best friend. They were in combat for years together. So this guy that he ripped off, Mario, and his, uh, and his wife, and they had a beautiful little girl, too, um, you know, he, he was so pissed off, man, because he – I mean, he just left them in a bad way. He took every dime that they had. They trusted him with all their money, all their savings. They gave it to him up front in cash. Ooh. And he just took the money and wow. split. But not before demoing their house, not before leaving them in a death trap. So they hadn't seen him in months and months. They stopped answering their phone calls. He just split. So when we finally got him back to that house, the guy, Mario, he was, I think he was just like six months overdue to beat Manny's ass. And he promised us that he wouldn't. He promised us that he'd be cool. He let us get him back to the house. Because, you know, we want to get him back there to fix the place. That's our main objective in all of this. We always want to get the house fixed. So we got the guy back there. Mario says, all right, man, we're going to leave. We always put the people up for a week in a hotel. That's part of what we do while, while we're doing all the work. We get them out of there. Um, and what had happened was they left. And then he came back around the block later on that day. And he told his wife, he goes, oh, honey, you know what? I left something back at the house. I'm just going to take a ride back over there real quick. I'll run inside and grab it. So he snuck in around the back side of the house. We have all of our people. Like the whole block is closed down for all the construction. I don't even know how he did it. He must have come through a window or whatever he did. But, man, if you, if you watch that episode, we're standing in the kitchen, me, Adam, and the contractor, Manny, and in comes Mario flying in through the back door. I changed my mind, motherfucker. <laughs> and he, gra- he grabs Manny in a headlock, man, and just smashes him into the refrigerator. And he just had him in his death grip. And if you watch the show, I mean, you only saw a little clip of it because, they, you know, they, they showed, you know, part of it. it they, don't, they don't have time to show everything because, you know, obviously everything gets edited for time. Um, yeah. But if you see in that, you know... You'll see me and Adam trying to peel the two of them apart. And at one point, I got Manny kind of like in a rear naked, but not on his throat. I was afraid to put my arm around his throat because we got to be careful. You know, if we hurt anybody, we wind up getting sued. And, you know, next thing you know, we're off the air. So I just slid that, I slid that headlock, that lock, that, uh, that rear naked headlock up across his face. And it kind of crossed the bridge of his nose on his forehead and just clamped down on his head. <laughs> 
and I could see his hands let go of Mario, and I peeled them off and pulled them back. And uh, that was the most unexpected moment that we had of the season because we, we really didn't see that one coming, you know. Mario had promised us earlier, and he was like, all right, man, I promise you guys I'm going to be out of here. I'm going to let you guys do this thing, and we'll come back in a week when it's done. And that's where that line came from. Because when he came through the door, he said, I changed my mind, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. um, well, let me, it was uh, crazy, man. Skip, we got another caller uh, calling in. Um, let me bring him on in. What am I going to uh, Welcome to Under Matt Radio, Radio Code 443 with Skip Bedell. Hey, what's up, Sticks? How yeah, you doing, man? <laughs> Do you know who hey, this like, is? Yeah, this is uh, Eli. This is uh, one of my brothers, uh, Christian, calling for support. But uh, do you have a question for us? Uh, Actually, I do. Um, first of all, that's a wild ass story, man. It's <laughs> you know, Light Skin Ross is about to try to become a contract for two flipping houses. If he ever does anything like that to somebody, I swear I'm out the door. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> So, I guess my question for you right now is, while you've been shooting the show, right, has there been at least one time where you guys have absolutely had to get the cops involved because something got too out of control? Um, the police have have been, I think, called probably on one or two occasions. Um, you know, as as we mentioned earlier in, in this show, we have security there that, uh, you know, if anything gets out of hand, you know, obviously we're always worried about weapons and things like that. As I was just saying to the guys a few minutes before, um, you know, these guys, you know, they don't know us, you know, and we don't know them. We do know about their background and their history, and a lot of them do have criminal backgrounds and violent assault histories and things like that with weapons and stuff. So it is a big risk because even though we get them there to come to this estimate and sting them and everything else, the bottom line is, you know, they could have a gun on them or, a knife or whatever, and we don't have any way of knowing that. So it does get a little bit crazy. Um, to this point, we haven't had anybody arrested. We have had some authorities involved with some of the licensing bureaus and things like that uh, to take these guys off the map because uh, some of them just don't deserve to even be on the planet, let alone be in this business. Um, but so far, no, knock wood, man. You know, uh, it hasn't come to the point where we had, a, we had to have any police intervention uh, yet, and let's hope that uh, that it doesn't, you know. All right, good, good. And uh, what's uh, what's the plan for New Year's, man? <laughs> well, <laughs> funny that you ask, man. As of right now, it looks like we're going to a really cool uh, party with a bunch of cats that I roll with, uh, some of the guys that I train with um, at, at my place, uh, where you know where we do all of our MMA and, uh, and training. And uh, we're gonna have a bunch of uh, a bunch of friends over and some family, and it should be a good time. We got another cat that's uh, got a great band. Uh, we're gonna listen to them play, and it should be fun. So we're looking forward to it. How about you? What are you guys all doing? Anything good? Uh, we we gathering over here, and Tech is invited, but I don't know if he actually gonna show up this time. What about you, uh, DB? You oh. gonna come over? <laughs> <laughs> I'll come. Well, well, whatever you guys do, man, just you know, make it a safe night. You know, you got to watch out being on the road with all the crazy folks out after midnight. Oh, absolutely not. Tech already know how we roll. DV know how we roll. Yeah, you got, you got, you got, you got got no skip. This is Baltimore. You know, they roll crazy up here, so we know what you're talking about. 
<laughs> yeah, I heard about you cats, man. I know you're all crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, TV, thank, thanks, man, for calling in. <clears throat> My pleasure. You, hey. hey. All right, uh, NFC Game Boy. Yeah, I have one last question. Uh, the goal of the show, of course, is to catch uh, scumbags and assholes and stuff like that and everything. <laughs> and you, you, you've done a great job. You know, I, I, I went and did my research before the show. Um, I wasn't too familiar. I've heard about the show, but I never really looked into it until I did my research. I was like, wow, you know. And my, my, my last question to you is, is that, what has been the biggest one to you? Like, what was the most emotional one? The one that you felt like, you know, like, you know, good job, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? What's, what's the one that really just stuck with you the most, in, you know? Mm. You know, people ask us that question all the time. And, and I got I to gotta tell you, it's really hard because uh, to say which one, you know, uh, because they're all very emotional. They all they all have their own story. And, you know, sometimes, many times, there's little kids involved in these houses. And, you know, I try to tell people all the time, and this is way more than just about, like, a construction job or somebody messing up a job or screwing somebody out of money. This is about, like, you know, little kids and, and not even having a, a place to, to take a bath or someplace that's safe that they can sleep. Because, you know, there's just so much dangerous stuff going on, electrical problems and plumbing stuff and structural stuff where the house could fall in on these people. And you see how it affects their lives. You know, it's it's way bigger than just, like, you know, the, the, the contract for the construction and all that. Many times when we get to them, the marriages are on the rocks because they've been through, like, a year of trying to track down the dude that took all of their money. And then they start turning on each other and the blame game. And, well, you hired them, and now look where we are. So some of these, some of these we get into, it's, it's really a desperate situation. And one in particular, uh, the first episode that we had uh, of season two um, kind of struck a chord with me because uh, the woman who, um, you know, there was a husband and, uh, husband and wife, and they had four kids, but their kids – were her brothers who had just recently um, he he recently passed away and they wound up adopting these kids and so they go out of their way to to make a home for these kids ranging from like just a couple of years old up until sixteen I think it was a pretty big range of children that now all of a sudden they're taken into their house so they needed to expand their home and and make a bigger place for them. So they gave up, you know, their life savings that was set aside for the two of them for their retirement, whatever else. They didn't have any kids of their own. And now they put it into building this house. And they just got screwed so hard by this guy. And I don't know if you saw the episode, but this guy Gilbert uh, came in. He actually answered their call on Facebook. The lady goes on Facebook and says, hey, listen, we need to remodel our kitchen and expand our home. Can anybody recommend a good contractor? So this guy answers the call on Facebook it turns out they used to go to high school together like 20 years ago. They weren't like good friends or anything, but, you know, they were acquaintances in high school. He says, yeah, I can do it. And he gains her trust. He comes in, and long story short, he just screws them out of all their money. And we felt really compelled to help these people because they're the kind of people that went out of their way to do something good for these kids. And now they found themselves in such a horrible situation. So at the end of that episode, the guy breaks down Gilbert, and he's – He's the only guy that we ever actually made cry. The guy was like 
just broke down hysterical crying because he realized, you know, what a, what a terrible thing he had done. And, um, and we really thought that we changed him. You know, we really thought that we made a big difference. We never seen anybody react like that. And, you know, it was, it was a really an emotional show. Well, now fast forward to a couple of weeks ago, right? This is months ago when we filmed that. Fast forward to a couple of weeks ago, we find out on Facebook that the guy just did the same thing to somebody else all over again. <laughs> all, I mean, just like almost like, the, almost like the same scenario. So now from what I understand, he's, you know, he's got criminal charges being pressed against them, and you know, they're going to put him in jail and Freud and all that type of stuff. But, you know, we made a huge difference in, in their house and in their lives. And, uh, you know, we kind of got their, their lives back together because they were at each other's uh, throats. You know, the marriage was about to end because of it. So it's that type of stuff that really gets to you. You know, some of these stories are really emotional. Wow. That is, that is something. Now, how would you how would you compare your show? <clears throat> you know, you watch all the other home improvement shows um, that goes on. What makes your show? What makes you as a host totally different, you and Adam, from any other show that may that, that's been on before you? They may even try to come on after you, because you know y'all the first of your kind. So I'm pretty sure somebody's going to try to come up with a copycat or a similar show like this to try to be better than y'all. So what would you say well, is totally different from everybody else? I, I I agree with that. I'm surprised that it hasn't already happened already, because if you look at that formula. It's a very successful formula of all those other shows, and there's probably dozens of them that are very similar, and we're the only one that's doing this type of thing that really takes it to the next level. Um, I think that what makes us really different is the chemistry that we have, you know, the three-part team that we have uh, between my wife, myself, and Adam. You know, Adam, we all, we all kind of bring something different to the table. Adam and I kind of have the good cop, bad cop thing going on, um, you know, and he's just a super fast, super witty guy, uh, he has a great background in construction and carpentry, so we can kind of bounce things off of each other, and we make a very effective team. You know, we set out to, to do something, and that's to find these guys and get some justice for the homeowners, and that's really what makes our show so different from everybody else is that, you know, there's a lot of shows on on doing this type of thing, but nobody that's that's getting the justice. You know, a lot of the shows correct the problems that people have, and they make it right, and they fix it and all of that. But nobody is out there getting the street justice and bringing these guys to the table and forcing them to fix it. So, um, you know, we're really proud of that, that we're doing something different. And, um, you know, we each have our own our own qualities. You know, I come in with the hard edge. And to me, I take it personally because this is what I do. You know, when I'm not filming the show, I'm a remodeling contractor. So to me, these guys have no business even being in my business you know, because they don't take it seriously. The people that are in, in this business for real, that do it like I do, they take great pride in their work. They're craftsmen, you know. These guys aren't craftsmen. They're they're con men, you know, there's a big difference. So for me, I come in, and, you know, and I am angry about it. I take the hard-edge approach to it. Uh, and Corolla, of course, uh, you know, kind of adds a lot of comedy to it, but he's also got a lot of knowledge with the carpentry. So it does kind of change it up a little bit. And you guys have watched the show, you know, it's entertaining. You know, you, you right. get the uh, you get the drama. You get that anticipation and that anxiety, uh, the confrontation. But then you also get a bunch of good laughs out of it, too. So I think that, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of delivering, you know, it's like a full package, you know. Mm, yeah, it is. We have, another, we have another caller real quick. 
Are you cool? Four four three. Welcome to Under the Mat Radio with Skip Bedell. Hello. Got hear crickets, right man. I know. I'm just saying crickets. <laughs> <laughs> you guys need that cricket on. sound effect in the background. <laughs> yeah. We need we need All to right. get a we need to get a show or something to call call to catch a call or something. The way they keep disappearing like this. Yeah. yeah exactly. Maybe we, got, <laughs> maybe we got them on hold too long. <laughs> Ellie, what um, Skip, what is next for catch a contract? I know y'all y'all been on the air for at least two seasons. Hopefully, BC a third season. Um, what would you add? Um, if you had all of the power, because of course I know Spike TV have you know the authority and the powers on things. Um, what would you <clears> add? Good different? question. If if what would you add different well, to the show okay. for the next season? Yeah, that's that's a really good question, and I, I have an answer waiting for you. Uh, I'm happy to say that we have been picked up and we are signed and rocked and ready to go for uh, season three. So we start in the spring. Um, we're going to be branching out to some different territory. We're going to be in Las Vegas uh, in the spring, and we'll be back for the beginning of the summer with our third season. Uh, but to answer your question about what I would add to it, okay, here it is. I've been thinking about it the last two seasons, actually even before we started the first season. There needs to be a fourth option. Now, you all have seen Bully Beatdown, right? My friend may have <laughs> known. Okay. Oh, my God. All right. All right. <laughs> so now we have the three options that are classic, and everybody knows what they are on our show. You can give the money back, you can come back and fix the house, or we're going to see you in court. There needs to be a fourth option that gets me in the cage. Now, I already have this thing planned out. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm thinking that what we could do, right, we could construct a cage, we could roll it in on the back of an 18-wheeler like a semi, like a flatbed trailer. We roll it down the block in front of the house, and we park that sucker right in front of the house, and we get all the neighbors from the whole community to come out, and, uh, and we give them the fourth option, man. Listen, if you don't want to do any of those other things, then you've got to get in the cage for three rounds with me. So at least, you know, at that point... <laughs> We can get some satisfaction. I finally get to kick somebody's ass and choke somebody out, which I've been waiting to do for 21 episodes, but it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and, uh, and, these, and these guys will get a beating that they so desperately deserve. Some of them, I think, get off too easy, man. You know, it's like we get them back there. We make them fix the house. But it's like, you know, it just doesn't feel like I think we got we got to take it one step further. So that might be a cool fourth option because we know option one is never going to happen. They're never going to give the money back because they always spent it all. So we hope that they will come back. Our, our, the main thing we want to do is option number two. We want to get them back because we want them to fix the house, and that gives us, us an opportunity to school them and show them how to do stuff right. But if they're not willing to do any of that, they don't want to step up and man up and do the right thing, then I think they deserve to get the beating. And uh, that's where the cage option number four comes into play. So that's what I would add to it. I like, I guess I like that. Speaking of, speaking of beating the crap out of Speaking of beating the crap out of anybody. No, go, 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 go ahead. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've, been rolling that, I've been rolling that option up the flagpole a couple of times. I'm hoping somebody over at the production company or at the network is going to bite. You know, maybe we'll change it up a little bit for season three. That's uh, yet to be seen. We haven't clarified it yet. But if I had my way, like you said, that's what it would be. <laughs> now, real quick, reverse roles. 
suppose your wife was the host of Catch a Contractor, and you uh-huh. were the private eye. How would the show be different? <laughs> well, we might not be finding some of these guys as well. As well as we <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know how well the houses would be getting fixed, and I don't know how well we'd be finding anybody. So I think that uh, it might be good if uh, we stick to our own roles because we're all good at what we do. We all bring something to the table. And uh, she's got a lot more experience than I do at tracking these guys down. So, um, and I got to say, I got just a little bit more experience on the job site than she does. So, let um, you can't let let your buddy Adam Carolla know we're big fans of him. Even uh, the guys on Bully Beatdown, we definitely have openings anytime. You know, hey, if you come back on the show, scene, bring those guys back on so we can uh, discuss more things too. I will, man. I, I will definitely put the uh, put the word out there. Thanks for watching, guys. Man, we appreciate you guys giving us your support and spreading the good word of Catch a Contractor. You know, we're out there trying to help people that are are desperately in need. And uh, one thing I will say to you is that for any skeptics out there, this is not your average reality show. There are no scripts. There's not one word of script. There's no preparation. What you see on the show, basically they follow us around with cameras, we set up the sting house, and we cross our fingers when the door opens. We never know what's going to happen. And there has been some occasions where, you know, we, we didn't even air some of the episodes that we filmed because they just don't go well. Um, you know, obviously it's got to be something that works out uh, that we can put on television and, uh, you know, that people are going to want to watch it. Sometimes they just get so crazy and we don't get the result. The guy doesn't want to come back and do the right thing. Um, so they don't always go well, you know, and – we're setting out there to do something good for people that are, are in need, and uh, we feel like we're really we're making a difference out there, one uh, you know one house at a time. So we appreciate your support, and uh, we're looking forward to season three, another ten episodes. Yes. Real quick, yeah. uh, anything, Game Boy? Any last uh, thing you want to add? Well, I just want to say that you have now gotten yourself another fan. Um, like I said earlier, I've heard about your show, but when I did my research and I got a chance to see and view some of the clips of your episodes, and, and I was just blown away. And, and to see just these families, you know, and to get the other side, the families really coming together and, and seeing their struggle and these these assholes just stealing from them and, and manipulating them and everything, you're really changing lives, and that's the most important part of it. So you got a new fan, keep doing what you're doing, and I hope you get to whip some ass. <laughs> Trust and believe. Hey, they thank deserve. you, man. <laughs> thank you. I, 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 I hope so, too. I'm hoping this season, like I keep saying to the security guys, this might be the one, man. This could be the one. <laughs> <laughs> so every, every, every time there's an episode, we we definitely, um, um, under the mat radio, uh, if you get a tweet from us or from NFC Game Boy, you um, shin blade and say this might be the one you definitely know what we're talking about <laughs> absolutely and I, I appreciate you guys following me on twitter um and uh facebook and, and instagram i'm on all of that stuff uh, skip underscore bedell on twitter and uh just skip bedell on uh, instagram and facebook and uh you know again we appreciate everybody's support we really are out there trying to help people and every single person that, that follows us and spreads the word of our show you know, it's just uh, one more person that's backing us up, and uh, and it really does come down to the numbers. You know, our numbers have been off the charts. Our ratings have been higher than I think the network ever expected, and we're really excited mm-hmm. to be coming back for a third season. 
So, uh, again, we appreciate your support. Well, real quick, we have our 801 area code, 801. Uh, welcome out to Matt Ready, real quick with Skip Bedell. Did you have a quick question? <laughs> yeah, hey, Skip, this is Eric Van Wagner. I'm lining up behind this guy. Oh, wow. Hey, okay. how you doing, man? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> well, I'm just got... listening to you, Skip. You're sounding good. i got to check out your show. Hey, thanks a lot. Appreciate <laughs> <laughs> <Very> it. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks much. Well, Skip, uh, anything you need to add before uh, we let you on, um, let you go? No, man. Once again, I just want to say, guys, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the support for our show. Um, we're coming back in, in the uh, early summer with a season three of Catch a Contractor again on Spike uh, Sunday nights. If we have the same time slot, which I believe we will, ten o'clock every Sunday night. Uh, look for us, uh, you know, in the, uh, in the coming attractions when you know when they announce when, when we're going to start our season. I believe it's going to be sometime in early June. And, uh, again, thanks for following me on Twitter. And you guys have a happy and uh, safe, healthy New Year. No All right. Thanks, buddy. Happy New Year to happy you, New Year too, man. Take Thank a you. shot for us. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot, guys. Hey, I will. <laughs> I will, man. Hey, buddy, that was uh, Skip Bedell, host and MMA fighter of Catch a Contractor. We thank Spike TV. We thank... Our representatives. We also do thank our correspondent Shimbley for providing them on the show. That being said, from one guest to another great guest, we have live, live, live the man himself, Eric. Don't don't beat me up. When should we say your last name? How do you say your last name? Reginald. <laughs> is that right? Been, it's Van Wagenen. Right? I've been fighting people my whole life on saying that right. So uh, you Van Wagenen. Okay. Van Wagenen. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Eric Van Wagenen. Can, can we call you Eric now? Is that cool? You can call me Eric. All right, okay. <laughs> yeah, Eric Van, Van Wagenen, who is, who is the executive producer of uh, the hottest uh, wrestling show. I'm sure you're not sports entertainment. <clears throat> oh, uh, we're wrestling, wrestling all the right? way. We're, oh, yeah, we're Lucha. <laughs> Actually, we're Lucha. But, you know, if we're going to translate it, we're wrestling. Sports entertainment, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think all, all the old programs we all had uh, – Say wrestling, like any program said, sports entertainment. Yeah, um, no, I've heard, I've, I've, I understand that a lot of people have to, have to use that term, but I, I think we we're comfortable <laughs> with just calling it wrestling. That's what, that's what we all like to call it, wrestling and lucha. It's a very, very, very high show on the Ovary Network. Uh, definitely, thanks so much for being on the show. Hopefully, you had fun so far. Yeah, we're just, we're believe me, we're all really excited that. Um, People are talking about our show. I mean, that was that was the goal of the show at the beginning, is to get people to talk about it and talk about the El Rey Network and uh, try to do something completely different. And um, it's always hard when you uh, come into doing something that nobody's ever tried before because there's always the chance that we're going to, you know, fall on our faces and, and, and look like idiots. But, um, you know, so far the response to the show has been fantastic, and we're all really happy and proud to be a part of it. Hey, real, real quick, um... Just to uh, piggyback on what you said, Eric, I uh, just want to say you have definitely been successful doing something different. I will say that uh, uh, my girlfriend and my mother, some people call them Mama Tech, and my cousin, who they tend to watch, they're casual fans, they watch wrestling every now and then. They actually are a fan of your show. Um, they didn't know what Lucha Underground was, so it was like, uh, my girlfriend was like, "Hey, what's this mad? What's this wrestling? This mask, dude? This some flipping move?" And anytime, oh, yeah, this is cool. <laughs> She, <laughs> I was like, oh, man, the underground. I'm like, yeah, I know that, yeah, you know, Dave Fadisa's cool guy. She said, okay, I like it. She watched the whole hour 
Um, uh, my mom watched it. She, you know, knows a little bit about Mexican. But the fact that you have people that either I know personally, in my family, other friends that doesn't watch WWE Sports Entertainment, that doesn't watch um, other wrestling, they actually watch your show because it's different. It has a different feel, and it's not the the same old same old the cookie cutter um, that it is. So. Definitely going to give you uh, props to that. We appreciate that. Now, if I could just get my mom to watch, then I'll know I've succeeded. But uh, that's probably a tall order. <laughs> Mama, uh, <laughs> your, your mom is, <laughs> your mom watches. She's not a fan of <laughs> She doesn't handle violence very well. I've done a million shows that have all usually involved somebody getting punched in the face, and she has a hard time with it. So <laughs> I just have to tell her well, about it. Well, you know, uh, Eric, uh, I have to say that my mother's the same way. She doesn't like wrestling, but for some reason she likes boxing, which I find to be kind of like pot calling the kettle sometimes. So yeah, you know, I'm a huge boxing fan. Um, I, I actually um, I, I was a showrunner for a show called The Contender that did four seasons oh, on NBC yeah. and, and ESPN and then the Versus Network and got to work with one of my all-time heroes, Sugar Ray Leonard, on that show. Wow. Um, and uh, he's from your neighborhood, right? You guys, uh, you, you guys, in, where you guys, you guys are in Baltimore. Yes. Yeah. 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 We're he's from Palmer Park. Is that close? Palmer Park. Mm-hmm. NFC Game Boy. You, yeah. you familiar with that show? I've never heard of that. I'm not from Baltimore. Uh, yeah. I've seen him. Oh, he's well, he's he's from somewhere in the in the neighborhood there. But he he was the host oh. of that show, and and he's always been one of my favorite fighters, and and to get to work with him and and. Uh, uh, and do that show. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm becoming even bigger boxing fan than I was. And I, you know, I grew up with all the great era of boxing, and and uh, uh, that show was a, you know, in a lot of ways, it, it was kind. It's kind of like, um, you know, it's Mark Burnett show as well. And uh, uh, there was there was aspects of that show that you can actually kind of see a little bit in Lucha Underground when it comes to some of the the camera work and the editing and a lot of the same people that worked on on um, on the contender, and then who worked with me again on Bully Beatdown, and then who worked with me again on on Tough Enough and Legends House, all worked. They also have now worked with me on uh, on uh, Lucha Underground. So there, you can kind of see similarities sometimes between those shows, and it, it's right. a great group of really talented people. Yeah, sure. I never, never thought of yeah. that. Uh, NFC Game Boy. I, I was a big fan of uh, Bully Beatdown, and ah, as soon as good. you said it, and I started thinking yeah. that, and the contender, I said, you know what, you're right. <laughs> I, I do see a lot of the, the, the camera work and the editing and the way the presentation it, yeah, it is very it, very similar. Yeah, and and it's 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 um it's a very Mark Burnett style. Um, you know, Mark Burnett is a massive TV producer, probably the biggest in the world. He's he's done all the big shows. He's the executive producer of Survivor, and uh, he does The Voice right now. And I also do um, the The Apprentice for him. Um, that's also one of his shows. And he, you know he's done. Uh, a ton, you know. Are, are you smarter than a fifth grader? He's done just a Shark Tank. Huh. He's he's got a huge roster of shows, and and he has a very specific style um, of storytelling, of editing, of camera work um, that you can kind of see uh, permeates through his whole sort of uh, uh, library of shows. And and I've worked on and off for Mark for about twelve or thirteen years, and um, you know the the group of people that I get to to hire to work with. Or, or you know, these are I'm pulling guys off of you know The Voice and off of Shark Tank and off of Survivor and Apprentice. You know, these are the guys that I'm having do 
you know, this little cable show, Lucha Underground, and that's probably why it feels big because the production value on it is really, you know, it, it's top notch, and it's with guys that, that that have done every kind of show you can imagine, and they, they really bring a different and a fresh perspective into the product that we put on the screen. Well, you, you know what yeah. I think, Eric, would be cool. I'm sorry, Anderson Game Boy. Is yeah, it, I, I wanted you have to get a, a thought in real quick. No, now, go, go, Eric, go ahead. I, I wanted to ask you, why Lucha? You know, with all these different uh, aspects and shows that you've done, you work with um, the different ones that Mark Burnett have done, which was amazing. A lot of people don't want to go toe-to-toe with the wrestling world because of, <laughs> of course, sports entertainment. And sure. what happened you know, many years ago with WCW, ECW, you know, with them being bought out and everything. So my question to you is, why Lucha? Why, why was Lucha so important to get out to the masses? Well, you know, it was a it, it was not a hard sell to me anyway because you know like um I like to do stuff that's a little out there. Um you know, bully beatdown, that was a crazy concept and and we were bringing that out, you know, and we were sort of taking on the UFC at that time. Um you know, we were trying to bring out fighters and stuff on that show that the UFC wasn't wasn't um uh, hiring, wasn't bringing out. And we brought out guys, you know, other than like, you know, Mayhem Miller was a crazy idea for a host and he's a crazy person but you know the fighters we had on the show we had dan cormier beat up a bully on our show we had tyron woodley um you know we had a lot of we had eddie alvarez two or three times jake shields all guys that went on to have great careers in the ufc and um you know we kind of just thought look if we create this and it was sort of the same with lucha it's like if we create this little sort of underground um, kind of show that people don't have a lot of expectation of, and we put a lot of really hard work into it, and, and we really embrace the subculture uh, of res- wrestling fans and really give them what they've been lacking, um, you know, we had a chance to really make a dent. Um, you know, we had some backers come forward, you know, the guys from uh, AAA, uh, Lucha Libre AAA out of Mexico, and then there was a couple of other investors, and then, you know, we had this brand new channel, the El Rey Network, that was sort of Robert Rodriguez's baby and and you know if you like his movies and you see the stuff that he yeah. does you knew it was going to be edgy and you knew it was going to be cool and you knew it was going to um try things differently you know from my opinion you know I've worked on all the big shows and I still do sometimes work on the big shows but I find it a lot more fun to try stuff that nobody's ever tried before and and to try to put together a creative team of people that can bring something completely different to um, to what people are seeing, you know, and you know, frankly, I'd done two shows for WWE. I did Tough Enough and I did Legends House, and I sort of knew that they were too big of a company to really notice Lucha Underground very much, but but that we could actually probably um, siphon off a, a piece of their audience that you know maybe wasn't right. being served. Right. Um, thank you, Seth. Real quick, um, all right, we're gonna bring in a caller. Okay. Right now, um, are you cool? One one one. Welcome to Under the Mat Radio with Ray. <laughs> are you cool? One one one. You on live? Hmm. Hello. Do apologize for that. Mm. Uh, we're bringing another call. Yeah. Are you cool? T four zero. Welcome to Under the Mat Radio with Eric Van Wegman. My question for Eric is. What percentage of the audience is Mexican and watches your product? And the second question would be, 
Is there any chance Tita Santana or Shelly Martinez will come in as non-wrestlers in your federation? Well, to the to answer the first question, you know, it's it's kind of a it's sort of a hard thing to quantify. You know, we knew when we came on to the El Rey Network that they don't have the penetration that you know a USA Network or another major cable has. You know, most people, you know, when 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 cable channels start, they usually take over an existing platform that that's been around for a while, and they just rebrand a channel that already exists. El Rey was creating a brand new channel, so even people who had DirecTV had no idea that Channel 341 even had a picture on it. And so, you know, we, we're not, you know, the goal for El Rey is to get people just asking the question, where is El Rey and how do I get it? So, you know, one of the things that has been really great about working with El Rey is they just want to get the show out there. You know, if you follow their YouTube channel and you follow their Facebook page and you follow their, their mm-hmm. Twitter feed, it's constant. It's you know they're tweeting stuff out every time there's a repeat. They're tweeting stuff out every day all during the day. They're they're taking their best material and giving it away for free. Um, they just want people asking like, where is El Rey? How do I get it? What is this show? You know, how is it possible for me to see it? So, you know, I think we've accomplished that mission as far as what El Rey. Now, obviously, we would love to have hundreds of thousands and millions of people watching it every week, but that's going to take time. Um, our, our Spanish-speaking partner, the channel Unimas, um, you know, we've been getting anywhere between 300,000 and 500,000 viewers every week, and it's on a pure Spanish-speaking channel. Um, a lot of people, we, you know, we simultaneously shoot two versions of the show. We shoot um, all the promos and all the uh, roll-in packages and the, host, and the and, and you know the the bumper stuff and the and the the announce tracks in both English and in Spanish, and we re-edit a separate show for the Spanish market. Um, but it's basically the same show. It's just that um, you know one's in English and one's in Spanish. Um, and so that that has done really really well for Unimas, and we're hoping that it that it continues to do, do do well. And of course, we're always pushing for you know a better time slot than Saturday afternoons. But I, I think they've been very pleased with uh, the numbers we've been getting. Um, now you you asked about Tito Santana, and I I, I don't remember the other the other name. I, I know Tito. I I'm not sure, um, you know what the status on Tito is. I don't know if he's under one of the um, uh, contracts with WWE, one of the legacy contracts or whatever that they offer some of the guys or not. Um, but uh, you know we're we're starting slow. Uh, we're looking at anybody and everybody. Um, but, you know, we're a one-hour, once-a-week show, so it doesn't do us any good to sign a roster of 90 people if we can only get, you know, between six, between like, you know, 8 and 15 on every week. So um, we're, we're, we're talking to a lot of different people, um, both, you know, sort of uh, well-known people from the wrestling world or sports entertainment world, and then we are also definitely have a, a, a thumb on the pulse of the indie um, markets and there's a lot of sort of big name popular indie wrestlers that we're currently in negotiations with. Good. Well, Shiki, uh, thanks much for your call, buddy. Thank you. I uh, I actually have something. Okay. Um, Eric, um, I have watched this with friends, and I know uh, Tech has friends who have this question, and I know have uh, NFC Game Boy have friends with this question. There is a wrestler on the show that is named uh let's see uh Pimpin uh Escalata Pimpinella. Pimpinella Escalata. 
Yeah. And people all the time, and I did my research after this, people all the time question it, like if it's a man or a woman, it's a man. Can you explain <laughs> to the listeners about our exotic code division in the show? <laughs> sure, sure. You know, the exoticos uh, are something that has been a part of the Lucha Libre culture, you know, since the beginning. Um, minis and exoticos and, and female luchadoras uh, were, were part of Lucha Libre long before, you know, they were ever in any kind of American-style wrestling. It's just sort of accepted, um, you know, the, the minis that they have have been around. You know, Mascarita, Sagrada, you know, I think he's second generation. Um, you know, the, the, there's these sort of uh, Lucha Libre um, um, sort of characters that have been around forever. Uh, we didn't really plan, on, on, you know, initially to bring in um, minis or um, exoticos. You know, tr- truthfully, what happened is, is um, uh, Chris DeJoseph and I, who um, Chris is sort of our wrestling expert, who works on on the show, and he's the guy that that does the booking, and he also kind of helps with the talent. He picks sort of picks the talent that he thinks we should hire, and you know, he does a lot of uh, he writes. He's sort of the head writer, uh, he heads up a team of writers. Um, we went down to Triple Mania, and we went down to Triple Mania to, to see the guys that uh, that we were bringing, that we were planning on bringing up. We went down to see Phoenix. Um, we went down to see Pentagon. We went to see uh, Sexy Star. Um, we actually went down to try to catch um, um, uh, Ricochet down there as well, but he wasn't able to make it. Um, but we went down there to to meet and see those guys that we were negotiating with, and then when we watched the show. The the two people that we were sort of we sort of really really were entertained by were was a match that featured um, uh, Pimpinella and Masquerita, and so when we came back we talked to Dorian Roldan, uh, you know who'd been getting us all the guys out of AAA, and we said hey what if we tried out uh, Masquerita and Pimpinella, and so um, we brought those guys up and we we put them in I think it was either our second or third tape weekend, and. And the crowd went crazy for them, and we went crazy for them, and we thought they were great. And, um, you know, it's not something that we think is, um, you know, we're not going to turn into an all-exotico or an all-mini league, um, but but we think as, as, you know, the occasional sort of tip of the hat to traditional Lucha Libre, that there's a place for them on our show, and, 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 and they're great guys. We love them. All right. Um, I've... I have to say that uh, this has been a great, it's been a great show. Uh, you know, at first somebody told me about it, and I didn't think it was much until I saw the episode a week later after the first episode. Now, I have to say, you, you the production and everything, Robert Rodriguez, you guys make everything look good. You mean the wrestlers look good. I'm a fan of Matt Stryker. Uh, I'm a fan of uh, John Morrison, and uh, now I'm a fan of, well, yeah, Vampiro, uh, Prince Puma, and um, and Phoenix, who Prince Puma is Ricochet. Now, I have to say is that your the promos in between the matches are so deep. It, like it's just like you're in a movie, other than being in wrestling matches. And yeah. I have to say that um, it has been truly a great show. Now. I want you to tell everybody how great of a guy is Dario Cuarto. <laughs> he seems like a coke dealer when he talks. <laughs> you know, he's great. Um, uh, Dario is uh, is you know we weren't really you know we were looking for uh, 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 somebody to play that character and, and we got really lucky. 
uh, when we, we met uh, Luis Fernandez Gill is his name. Um, and, you know, he really didn't know that much about wrestling when we started. And when we met with him, and we would, uh, it was sort of a long kind of audition process where we met with him probably three or four times and I had him read three or four times. And we just kept going back to him and there was just something about him. And, and then we gave him the role and, um, you know, we took him actually down to Triple Mania with us as well. And we, we kept kind of giving him homework to watch. He'd go back and he'd watch old Roddy Piper clips and things like that. And he would start to try to develop this character. And then, uh, when, uh, when we first started shooting with him, he just sort of took it and created this, you know, maniacal, uh, uh, evil, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's sort of a cross between <laughs> Tony Montana, you know, I, I, I don't really know. And he just sort of, he sort of took over this character and we all just sort of sat back and watched him work. And, you know, we loved him. We, you know, we knew that we'd get a little pushback when we said, oh, yeah, there's this little authoritarian figure and it's sort of the Lucha Libre version of Vince McMahon. But, when, you know, we weren't surprised that people were sort of backlashing a little bit against that. But the whole time we we're like, where do they see him? Where, where do they see him in these scenes? You know, he's a real actor and, uh, yeah. and he's great, you know, and, and um you know, I think people have gotten over their initial sort of skepticism about that character and have sort of fully embraced uh, the Dario uh, Cueto uh, uh, character. And, and, and we really like him. We think he's doing a great job. Well, I have so, to say that, uh, um, he, um, I, I have to say that uh, you know, he got over big because there is a YouTube link around that has Dario Cueto screaming ladder match 25 times or 40 times in a <laughs> For row. For 22 minutes. Yeah, and that's yes. that's the that, those are the the, the crazy uh, guys over at uh, El Rey. They have this whole social media department that that are really into the show, and um, they come up with weird stuff. and And that was that one made me laugh. That was total. That one was totally uh, uh, unexpected, and it was uh, you know kind of um, you know they were trying to really promote the fact that we let a 22-minute match play uninterrupted on, on broadcast television with no commercials. We were really playing that up. Um, and those guys really took that, and that got a lot of, that got a lot of traffic, and, and they really nailed that one. And those guys are great. They, they're, they're the guys that managed the, the Twitter accounts and the YouTube page and the Facebook page, and, and um, you know, their, their enthusiasm really pays off. Yeah, yeah, I definitely do agree with that. I, I, I do love the... The, the grittiness, like I said, I've always been uh, give ups to Innocent Game Boy, my co-host, who actually, uh, for my birthday, good number of years ago, when Grindhouse came out in theaters, and Robert Rodriguez did Planet Terror, and Quentin Tarantino did um, Death Proof. And that mm-hmm. was my first, you know, uh, introduction to Robert Rodriguez, only knowing-wise. And then I realized, oh, he did, um, you know, from Dust Till Dawn, the movie, and did this, that, and the other but I, I do love the Overy Channel, I'm sorry, network, won't be technical, because um, there's a dark, gritty feel, and I always loved, loved that feel, and you get the same feel from Leech Underground or, like, The Contender, where it feels different. It's dark colors, dark shades, I have a degree in art, so I look at all those shades and colors, and I look at stuff a little differently, and I like that feel where it looks different from your Ring of Honors, your, your TNAs, your your WWEs, you know, and, and that's definitely what you want. You don't want to be looking like, you know, if you're trying to compete against WWE or try to be different, you can't look just like it. So, you know, yeah, the point you know, of, of it was, you know. Yeah, I think, I think you're you're right. I mean, I think when we 
um, originally talked about doing the show in the very first meeting that I had with uh, the El Rey guys and the Mark Burnett guys. Is, you know, the first question that I asked was, are we competing in the live event business or are we doing a TV show? And they said, no, we're doing a TV show. And then I said, great, then, then I'm in. This is what I want to do. Um, you know, we're not looking to sell out 17,000-seat arenas. And, and, you know, we don't need big, shiny um, stages with video, you know, video screens and pyrotechnics and, and, you know, sound blasting through the place and the whole thing. Like, we, we wanted to make it look like Fight Club. You know, the, the guy I called first off was the location manager that found me the spaces for Contender. And I said, look, you know, what do you have downtown? And um, that space was the first place he sent me to. And we walked in, and you know, and it just it just looked like what we wanted it to be, and um, you know, we we went and saw ten, fifteen more places over the next two days, and I just kept saying it doesn't have that same kind of grittiness that the very first place on Anderson Street had, and so you know, we quickly that it was the easiest decision so far was to to pick that space, and you know, we really didn't add that much to it. I mean. You know the rafters and the walls and the, the you know Cueto's office and the and the the sort of the catwalks and the balconies. Those were all there. We just supplemented them with some bleachers and a ring and and some lights. But um, you know it, it's definitely you know the temple as we call it is kind of a character. And all the backstage vignettes they're all shot in that same space. And uh, you know we felt really lucky to have that space. And you know we continue to want to work there. And hopefully we'll be there for a long time. Yeah, you know, one thing I do like, which was something I've never seen before uh, in wrestling, going, you know, I was going to different shows, you know, over the years and watching a lot of wrestling, is I like how the entrance is, normally wrestling, you have the typical entrance ramp on the sides in the middle, you come out and all that stuff, guard rails. But I like how there are steps in the middle of of where, you know, the, the crowd is sitting and they walk down the steps and the crowd can actually be, you know, close to uh, which I call the Warriors, when we say the wrestlers, and I do like their house a different feel. Uh, yeah, that was just we just got lucky with that. You know, we we actually yeah. built those steps in and connected it to that um, catwalk up there. And then sometimes people walk from under the band platform, and we have sort of two points of entry, yeah, like depending on if it's someone's first time in or it's someone who's repeating or you know what their character would be more likely to do. I mean, it always sort of seems weird when you have two guys that are about to fight each other. Um, you know, come through the same doorway separated by five feet. You know, it always, it doesn't feel real. You know, it doesn't feel uh, authentic. And, um, you know, when we sort of looked at the layout, we said, hey, well, what if we, you know, what if we tried the, the two different entry points? And I think that that will play out more as characters get more established in the future. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, it's just sort of all about, you know, us sort of thinking you know, outside of the box and thinking, hey, you know, we don't have to do it the way that they always do it. You know, let's try and do it a different way. Uh, and it's a game boy? Well, with this being a TV show, my question to you is, is that are you going to have seasons? Yep. Season finales and, and, and season premieres and stuff. And, and, and Yes. Um, we'll be yeah. having that. Um, well, what, what would be like the timeline? For for fans, if they if they're waiting for the the season premiere, uh, sure. Um, I mean, are you going through the usual uh, broadcasting schedule, like the fall season, spring season? Um, um, our our season is season. yeah, our season is probably about ten months. Um, you know, we're we're eight episodes in. 
Um, we are, uh, you know, we have a little break for the holidays because we're a Wednesday night show. We didn't really want to, you know, try and compete with Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, so we just went down for those two weeks. And then episode nine will air on the seventh. Um, uh, and then we are going to continue to air every Wednesday. Um, I think uh, I, I want to say it times out through to, through August. Um, you know, we've been picked up for 39 episodes. That's what we're planning. That's what we're budgeted for. Um, don't believe anything that you you read on any of the websites saying that you know we're getting canceled. We're not. You know, we're, we're we okay. have they, we have investors who have committed 39 episodes, and that's what we're planning on doing. Um, and uh, so we would probably take a little break at that point, a little summer break, and then pick back up again in the fall. Uh, probably start shooting season two in late September. Uh, you know, assuming that people want us to stick around. And um, I want I want another question. Um, thank you for for sure. adding that input for our fans and stuff, and also for the Lucha fans and stuff. My other uh, question is is that what has been so far the biggest surprise with all these other projects that you have worked on, that you've done, all these successful shows that you've been uh, monitoring and, and had your input. What has been the most surprising thing that Lucha has brought to your uh, to your eyes? Uh, uh, to that's a, actually a good question. We've, we, we've sort of had this conversation in the office. You know, when you, when you work in reality television, certainly, and then when you work in the, you know, the, the culture of professional wrestling, you expect that a good ratio is 51% of the fans are going to love you and 49% of them are going to hate you. <laughs> it's kind of the most you can hope for. You know, um, you know we've all worked, you, work, you get a real thick skin when you work in both reality television and when you work in, in wrestling shows. Um, I don't know what it is about the, the nature of those two audiences, but sometimes it's just as much fun to hate something as it is to love something. Um, I think you see a lot of that with the WWE. You know, you get people complaining and, and hating on it and, 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 and uh, bitching about it um, every week, but yet they keep watching. So, you know, when we came into it, we were sort of like thinking, well, if half the people like us, uh, you know, then we'll have done something right. And um, I think we were all really surprised about the high percentage of people that genuinely got what it was we were trying to do and, and embraced it. Um, you know, we were sort of expecting a lot more hate thrown at us um and maybe we're just <laughs> fooling ourselves and maybe you know the other shoe's about to drop but but uh we were all expecting there to be a lot more negativity about the show and i think the biggest surprise is how just across the board people have given us a, a fair chance and really like it yeah, yeah. Mm. i do like um I, I, I do agree with that and um me and Anderson Game Boy, and I know uh, Shimblade, we all big movie buffs, and we love watching all different types of movies and whatnot, and watching different shows, and, and when Lucha came on, I definitely loved it. it like I said, it looked different, it felt different, uh, different people, backstage segments. Um, I will give up to, to Shimblade, our correspondent, videographer, because he actually educated us a lot more with the show. I knew which show was, but, you know, if I missed the episode, he'd be like, oh, watch Leech Underground, you know, this guy, that guy, you know. So, okay. yeah. <laughs> definitely like it. When um, it changed, um, changed uh, course here, Eric, with you being executive producer and you worked on 
a lot of shows, you know, we did our research, you know, Apprentice and a whole bunch of other joints. And explain to us <clears throat> the mindset that you need to be an executive producer. And if you can, real quick, two part question, explain to us the different mindset you had when you were working with WWE on Tough Enough or Legends House as opposed to now with Legion Underground. Uh, it's interesting. Okay, you know, it's funny because I started um, my TV career 25 years ago, and I started very much in, you know, um, you know, part of the part of the production crew. Uh, I became an editor and then a producer, and I sort of imagined that um, when you became an executive producer or a showrunner, that you know your job would be creative, you know, 95% of the day, and that you would get all this great creative input. Um, Having now done it for you know seven or eight years, I can tell you that really the biggest part of my job is to hire all the right people, um, to put together the team, and then to get out of their way. Um, you know, coming into Lucha Underground, I, I you know if a good executive producer, a good showrunner knows what they don't know, and, and I don't know how to book a wrestling show. I don't know how to write a wrestling show. Um, but I knew I had to find the right person to do that. You know, I don't know how to direct, but I knew how to find the right director. Um, you know, I don't know how to, uh, you know, do production design, but I know good production designers. And so I think the key is is to really keep, an, you know, an ear to the ground and find the best possible people that are available, put them together on a team, and then be an advocate for those people and try to really um, – push, you know, you know, sort of, I would say, run block for these guys, you know, try to try to push through the network politics, try to get the creative people um, as close to the final product as possible. Um, you know, I've been on shows that get ruined when network executives who don't know anything about what you're doing try to try to tell you how to do it. You know, when I was doing Bully Beatdown for MTV, you know, we had some executives that had never seen an MMA fight in their life, and they were trying to tell us how to do, you know, MMA television. So, um, you know, the key thing for me is really just to, to, to find the right people, and it's guys like Chris DeJoseph and his team. You know, Chris is a, a lifelong wrestling fan, and he spent, you know, seven years writing for the WWE, and when I met with him the first time, I knew he was the right guy. He had the right kind of passion for it. He had the right kind of... Uh, uh, experience. He had the right temperament to work with the guys that I work with, and um, you know, he he wasn't afraid to um, tell me his opinion in a very strong way. And so, you know, I respected him for that. And uh, you know, he knew more than I did about. It. He knows more than anybody on our show about actual wrestling. So, you know, when it comes to the wrestling part, I I uh, I sort of let him do his thing. You know, when it comes to directing the backstage vignettes and it comes to the character packages, we have a guy on our staff named Skip Chasen, who was a trailer editor and a, he's a director and he's a amazing talent. He does all this great stuff for for Robert Rodriguez. And you know, we just stay out of his way. We just say, okay, Skip, here's the scene how do you want to shoot it? And he comes up with these camera angles, comes up with these cutaways. Uh, he, he create, he weaves these character stories that I don't think I could do if I was left, you know, to do it myself. Um, and so it's just really about putting together the right team of people. Um, and so that's, that's, kind of the key to it, I think, from an executive producer standpoint. You know, it sort of changes from show to show. I mean, my role on Lucha Underground is a lot different than my role on on uh, The Apprentice or on Bully Beatdown or whatever, and it's just 
sort of about being an advocate for the team of people that you hire. How much? I mean, you know, we here we love putting people on the spot. Sure. Out of, of course, we in in of our opinion, you feel we feel that you're so free and so passionate about leadership because it's new, and you feel like you're having freedom, you're able. So, you know, you get very happy and satisfied with the product. So, excluding Leech Underground, mm-hmm. WWE we, Legends House, tough yep. enough. Out of those two, what was the most difficult time or frustrating time that you had <laughs> working with them? Well, Lucha's has been, you know, that's my baby right now, so I love it. You know, there's nothing they can do wrong. Um, so you know, when we were doing... Well. <laughs> when we were, when I was doing uh, those shows for uh, 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 Tough Enough and Legends House, and I, I and I'll say this: look, they are a company that has done incredibly well for thirty years. You know, when I look at the um, power of of Monday Night Raw, you know, the fact that it has been a top five cable show for twenty five years or something like that, and we're talking, you know, top two or three consistently for 25 30 years like they're doing something right and um they've got people on board um who are very protective of the product um now having said that i will say that um i didn't always understand some of the decisions that they made in tough enough and some of the decisions that they made even in legends house um you know i was very proud of you know, nine of the ten episodes that we did on Tough Enough, and I, I was particularly impressed with Stone Cold Steve Austin. I, I sort of feel like he was probably one of the great uh, characters that I've ever worked with as far as talent. Um, I, I've never seen somebody take, you know, we were basically taking a guy who'd spent 20 years uh, in wrestling or sports entertainment and asking him to be a host of a reality show. And by day two, he was one of the best hosts I've ever worked with. Um, you know, he's a guy that understands uh, who his character is. He understands what audiences respond to. He understands how to get under the skin of contestants. And the fact that WWE didn't do more with him, I think is absolutely insane. I mean, they should have made the WWE network the the Stone Cold Steve Austin network. I mean, I would have paid 9.99 for that. <laughs> the, the, the guy is an unbelievable talent and as far as I can tell, they've dropped the ball with him, you know? Um and maybe he still does stuff for him and I've I've heard rumors that, you know, he may come back in some capacity, but you know, he was great on that show and the fact that they didn't bring that yeah. show back, uh even though it was, you know, doing well in the ratings and uh um um, and, and people were talking about it, and they were excited by it. Um, you know, it was, just seemed like a real shame. You know, and and uh, uh, you know, when I say nine out of ten episodes, the tenth episode where Andy wins it, that was very much sort of taken. Um, the creative controls were sort of taken away from me, and and Steve, I don't even think was in that episode other than the live part at the end. Um, and, and that was sort of an example of man, I, I wish we could have just gone through with the original vision of the show. Um, but you know, hey, they they wrote the check for the show, so uh, it's it's not it's not up for me to to uh, mm-hmm. tell them how to spend their money. Okay, was that honest enough? Yes. Oh it yeah. Was. yeah, it was. It was. We'll, we'll okay, get you, you can get into that. And as far as Legends House, I got to say that was a great opportunity, and I'm appreciative 
of those guys have given me Legends House because you know say what you will and it wasn't a it wasn't a show for everybody but when they handed me that thing and they said okay do a, a house reality show uh, with eight former wrestlers and all of them are in their 60s and 70s you know I thought oh <laughs> shit uh, I'm totally <laughs> I'm completely fucked on this one you know I I, I thought I thought you know because I, I really didn't have anything to do with the casting they kind of just gave me these guys. And then I called each of them individually and started talking to them and getting to know them. And I thought, this is either going to be the funniest show ever or the worst show ever. And I think it probably is, depending on who you talk to. Um, but, but to get to work with guys like Roddy Piper and, and Mean Gene Okerlund was the best and, and Jim Duggan. And, I mean, those guys were great. I, I, I grew up watching those guys. Um, Jimmy Duggan. You know, I, yeah, I was a, I was a huge fan of... Uh, of early 80s WWF. I mean, I, I was in the audience in the L.A. Sports Arena for WrestleMania too, as like a 15-year-old uh, sitting in there watching the cage match. So, like, that was the era that I grew up watching. And, and to get to work with those guys um, was one, it was a real treat. And it was a real joy. And I was grateful to WWE that they let me do that show and they let my partner and I do that show the way we wanted to do it. Um, they did come in at the end and add in some time to try to make it fit the network time slot. And I, you know, you never want to turn in a 42 minute show and then watch it on the air and it's 52 minutes, but you know, you, you can forgive them of that. Real quick, real well, quick, I Eric, and then I, okay. real quick, Eric, and then I'll um, turn over to GB and Shen. And, uh, speaking of uh, Hexar Jim Duggan, um, since you love 80s wrestling and 90s, and NFC Game Boy is a pro gamer, remember, on the video game WWF um, Royal Rumble for the Sega Genesis, remember back in those days. <laughs> okay. If you use, use Hexar Jim Duggan, there was a glitch where if you use the Royal Rumble match, when he used to do a three-point stance, you yeah. actually would get stuck in the corner. You'll never be able to get eliminated. So that was a cheap way. Um, shout out to uh, Tony Pyro, Glenn Armstrong, Junior, who used to take glitch all the time and cheat to win. But that was a glitch in the game. You had to use Hacksaw Jimmy Duggan, do the three-point stance, and you would get stuck in a corner. You'll never be able to get eliminated. If I'd only known that then, I think I used to play right. that with my little brother Matt, and we uh, we were very into that game for a while. Um, mm-hmm. I did not know that. You learn something new every day. Oh my God! Well, my my question now is: Let's get down to business. Lucha Underground as it blew out everybody's expectation, even our own, and it's really brought new life to other areas of wrestling. But next year, you have a lot of new shows that's also coming into wrestling. You got New Japan, you got Global Force with Jeff Jarrett, and we yep. got the uh, the rehash of of TNA with a new network. And right. my question to you is, with all these new uh, uh, wrestling shows that's coming on and, and staying, including Ring of Honor and including the WWE, uh, what what more can, can Lucha do? Or uh, what more can you, you think you can bring to your fans? To, to, you know, to, it, it, it's funny. We, we don't really worry about that too much. Um, you know, the WWE is going to do what they're going to do. They're not really – I don't really look at them as our – uh, you know, I mean, yeah, they're their competition, but they're sort of the big boys, you know, and um, we're, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's become such habitual television for so many people that, you know, we we can't really, we don't have the expectation that we're going to have 5 million people watching our show by the end of next year. It's just not realistic. Um, as far as the other guys, you know, it's a lot of kind of rehash. I mean, I know from from doing the contender we went from abc i mean nbc to espn to the verses 
it's never a good thing when you downgrade networks. It's just not. You know, they can they can spin it however they want to spin it, but they're not moving up. Uh, you know, they're they're moving down. Um, you know, you can't go from Spike to Destination America and expect your audience to grow. It's not going to happen. Um, you know, that's just being realistic. Uh, as far as New Japan uh, being on access television, from what I understand, they're showing old matches. I don't think they're showing new matches. I think it's uh, they're they're rehashing matches from 2013. Uh, and, and this is just sort of what inside sources are telling me. Um, the the other one um, is not on the air yet, and I don't know anything about it. And if you know where it even is on the air, it was supposed to be on the air before before we were. And then what else does that leave? Ring of Honor. I mean, they're they're all pay per view basically. Um, that's yes, totally different. TV. That's a oh, the, where are they showing no, on? Sinclair, I mean, I don't. Sinclair Broadcasting. Okay. Yeah, Sinclair Broadcasting. Okay, Sinclair yeah. Broadcasting. I mean, I sort of feel like they are where they are, and and they're not in. You know, I know we kind of are um, sort of going back and forth with talent with those guys, but you know, we're we're sort of offering something completely different. I I look at all those other products. And I don't see any of them that are in direct competition with what it is we're trying to do. We're doing something completely different, and they all have their, um, you know, they have their fans, and they're we're the new kids on the block, and we're the ones that have only been on the air for eight weeks, um, and we just need time to grow. Thank you, thank you so much. That is the best uh-huh. answer that you can give because you have a perspective <laughs> not only in the business but behind the camera and the TV world with us and our fans, we don't. And by you breaking down, of course, no no one is going to stop the day and We're not, you know, we know sports entertainment. The day is going, as long as Vince McMahon still have air in his body, he's still going to continue doing what he do because he didn't get the 30 years of the day just by getting lucky. You know, yep. we, we understand that. But Lucha is so fun to look at. And, and shout out to Shen, our correspondent, for, for even introducing yeah. it to us. Cause I, oh, you know, thank you. Yeah, our correspondent, yeah, Shen Lee, Shen. For, for bringing it to our attention. It is mm-hmm. so fun. And I can only imagine how fun it is for you and, and the rest of the guys to, to, to be a part of it because it is different. It is a breath of fresh air. And it is nothing like the other shows that are coming out and the shows that are out, you know, it's just a really, really great show. You know what, NFC Game Boy, to, to go about what you were saying is, Eric, we always say back in the Monday Night War days is, you know, we used to wrestle outside, you know, come on from school, play, you know, middle school, high school, and we used to run in each other. I was, oh, it's 8 o'clock, we got to go see Nitro. Now the club, we got to watch Raw. We watch it outside, <laughs> running. And, and, and now who, who really runs? And, Grant, you could – Blame technology, but nobody really runs in the house to watch Raw. Nobody runs and right. watches SmackDown anymore. You can just read the spoilers. No one watches right. any of the major products because you can a recorded DVR, illegally download it, get it from a buddy, right. you know, read the spoilers. But with Leech, is different because it's new. And I actually can say, I actually, I'll D, I DVR it every week or front DVR and I'll try to catch it on reruns or I action. Hey, how was the show? we go on YouTube. So a lot of people that I know, um, they were blessed to have, you know, everybody have all connections, people within the business, and everything is different, and people are uh, invested in, 
is excited to run and see, okay, Leash Underground on, let's see what it is. Oh, it's Wednesday. Let's watch it. Where the other product is like, oh, whatever, same old stuff, same old 30 minute promo, no John Cena wins, the end. You know, it's, <laughs> you never know. You know, Well, Leach yeah. Underground is so different. Um, just for instance, uh, John Morrison, he, uh, when he showed up, he jumped from that little, uh, what was that little. Um, oh, that he classroom. jumped off the office, yeah. Yeah, off the office. Well, yeah. that's cool, and that, that was something that. And we have inside joke. We still can't do that in WWE. <laughs> Look, and, and honestly, it feels like we're so lucky that we don't. I like we, I don't have those problems. You know, um, we don't have to then pack up the the house and, and and drive to Albuquerque in the middle of the night for a for a dark show the next night. You know, we don't do that. We, you know, we we pull out the we blow our lot on on Saturday and Sunday, and we have two weeks to rest and recover, and then we go do it again, and everybody go comes back two weeks later, and we come up with with new stuff. I I wouldn't want to have to, you know, uh, plan with a cast of 60 people and you're doing, you know, six nights a week and you're moving from a different location every week. I mean, your your television product is bound to suffer and they make a ton of money. You know, their gate at, the, at these giant arenas, you know, people come out and they will pay to see what it is they're offering. So you can't knock them for for making money with what they're selling. It's kind of like, look, a lot of people like to eat at McDonald's. You know, the billions and billions served, right? You know, me, I like to go to In-N-Out. You know, In-N-Out's better to me. There's not as much in it. There's not as many In-N-Outs out there, and you can't find them everywhere, and you have to look a little harder for them. But uh, that's kind of what I would like. And so we kind of want to be, uh, uh, you know, we're not in the mass-produced, mass mass-product business. We don't have the... Um, the mass budgets for advertising. We have to rely on social media. We have to rely on word of mouth. We have to rely on podcasts like you guys. You know, uh, Chris and I will basically we'll talk to anybody who wants to talk to us about Lucha Underground. We're happy to do it. We're great, grateful that anyone even wants to talk to us. So, so you know, we have a much smaller um, uh, sort of you know nut to sort of make every month and. Um, I would not want their problems. I mean, they have good problems, and they're a, they're a billion-dollar company, and they have massive advertisers and Subway, and they get big sponsorship deals from Grumpy Cat Movies, and and and, oh, and oh. Kathy Lee, Kathy Lee, and Hoda show up at their taping. Oh I mean, God! <laughs> you know, you know, that's, they're a publicly traded company. They got to do those kind of things. We don't. We we can be a little more uh, a little edgier. We can be a little more underground. You know, not to. You know, throw a pun out there. No pun intended. <laughs> well, um, I have to say, I have to say, uh, one of the things I like about this show, uh, and, and uh, Tech was making a point about running home, and the thing is, is that nobody runs home for WWE products anymore. Uh, probably the only thing I say is NXT, but it's still the product. And a lot of people differentiate that from WWE, which is okay, but at the end, at the end of the day, is WWE territory. Now, mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna shift it a little bit because we all we all do, and I'm gonna I'm gonna mark out for a couple of your female characters. All right, let's talk about that, it. <laughs> I will say that I did not know until about the second week when I saw uh, was it. Um, you got to be talking either Ivelisse or Sexy Star or uh, oh 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 I think you're talking about Katrina probably. 
chin. Is that what you're talking about? Are you there? What's that? John, you no, see, okay, I'm sorry. He got, he got so excited and it got quiet. You right there, buddy? Did he bust his low? Okay. <laughs> yeah, he might have bust his low. No. He bust low. We little quick finish. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a thunderstorm guy. Was, was I'm not a thunderstorm guy. Right so, hey, Eric, what was, Eric, no, what was so, that, five seconds? But yeah, I know. I thought my line had cut off. Okay. No, I was saying that some of the females that I like, one of the females that I love is, uh, she's Maxine from NXT. Cat- yeah, Katrina. Um, Carly Katrina. Perez. I, lo- I yeah. love her. And then also there was a um, they there was a time where uh, there was there was a time where uh, Game Boy and NSC Game Boy he came up to me and right. told me about the fight that Sexy Star did with Chavo Guerrero when he bust her in her head with a chair. Yeah. yeah, I could not believe that when I saw that. Can't do that, WWE. That was pretty no, crazy. You cannot. That actually, we had to get permission from the president of the L Ray Network to do that. We got a permission about ten minutes before we started taping that match. Um, oh, <laughs> but you know what? They they have such a good attitude about it. El Ray's attitude is like, as long as you're not showing women in a demeaning way, and that the women are tough, and she's in there fighting, and she's, you know, the women can do whatever the men can do, and and that's how we look at it. You know, we don't ask like, oh, is this terrible to put a woman in this situation? We say, would a man do it? And if the answer is yeah, a man would take a, a chair shot to the head, then we say, okay, then then sexy can take one too. We don't ever say like. Oh, because they're a woman, or because he's a mini, or because he's an exotico, we can't treat them like you know any of the uh, of the men on our on our roster. Um, you know, that little uh, Masquerita Sagrada, he takes bumps. Uh, he takes the hardest bumps of anybody on the entire staff. Uh, in the in the Aztec Warfare uh, match that's coming up. He, they about take his head off, and it scared the hell out of me when it happened. I, I, I literally ran out of the control room and ran around the side to make sure his head was still attached to his body. Uh, that little guy is as tough as they come. And, you know, our attitude is, is why treat him any different? They want to be here. They're there for the reason. They know what they signed up for. Um, it's it's demeaning to them to say that they're not as good as, as the men on our roster. Um, but yeah, you're talking about Katrina, and Katrina's gonna, she's gonna get in the ring before too long. We're, we don't, I wouldn't worry too much about seeing more of Katrina. Yeah, well, right. um, also, also, um, I wanted to, um, actually, we discussed this uh, weeks ago, but can you tell us how it was on Tough Enough at the end uh, with Stone Cold, and you know how you had to get things together that you couldn't even say uh, belt on the show? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that kind of came up. That kind of came up partway through production. You know, Steve was from sort of the old school um, where you said wrestling, you said the word wrestling, and you said the word belt, and you said, you know, kind of the things that uh, uh, the the new era of wrestling sort of frowns on. And um, you know, we came up with that gimmick of you know we give them all a, a, a belt at the the beginning, and and as we eliminate them, Steve takes the belt away from them. You can't call it a championship because it wasn't a championship. It was really just a belt. And then we kind of got halfway through the taping. We kind of got word from from uh, Stanford that, oh, they don't want you saying belt, <laughs> you know. And you know, in Steve, pure Steve fashion, he's like, you know, well, what the fuck do they want me to call it? It's a goddamn belt. I'm calling it a goddamn belt. And 
and that was kind of the end of the discussion. Um, you know, and he would he would do that a lot. You know, he would just kind of say, ah, fuck this, and he would, you know, I'm doing it my way. And you know, ultimately, you know, that's Stone Cold Steve Austin. He, he says he wants to call it a belt. I'm not going to be the one to tell him to call it a championship. So you know, he was great about doing that kind of stuff. And and I think you know, Steve to this day would say that. You know, we should return more to that kind of era, and I and I don't think he's wrong. Real, real quick, all right. Like I said, real quick, we thank you much for you know having you on. I know you're a very busy man. Um, having you on too. We got a uh, we'll bring in one of our other supporters. Gonna bring in Tolfrey now. Here's a quick question for you before we let you go. Okay. Uh, welcome to Under the Mat Radio, Tolf. You there? Yeah, I'm here. So, hey buddy, what's up? You in oh. here live with uh. Eric Wigman, the executive producer of uh, Leecher Underground. I know you had a question. <laughs> yeah, I, had a question. Uh, I had a question, Eric. How exactly did you get in contact with uh, Vampiro? I always liked him in WCW, and he just kind of fell off for a while, so it was nice to see him begin in Lucha. Uh, was uh, was it something like you recruited him, or did Conan recruit him, or uh, that he, one? He, uh, actually, Dorian Roldan from uh, AAA, when we were looking at announcers, he suggested him, and you know he was one of the guys that Chris and I met with when we were down in Triplemania, and uh, you know he's a character. He he is uh, he is he's out there, you know, and and uh, I didn't really understand the importance that he had in Mexican wrestling, uh, you know, and the first day the first day of taping, people started chanting his name when he came out, and you know I'd kind of just thought he was this you know ex wrestler that. You know, had a little bit of, uh, had done a little bit of side stuff, and you know, kind of been around for a long time. But, but you know, Vampiro is is a, a lot wiser about wrestling than I think people give him credit for. Um, you know, he works with, uh, he he's one of the people that's completely bilingual on the on the staff, and he works to help put together a lot of the matches. And and um, you know that guy really, really understands the psychology of a wrestling match, and he and he really works with um, the lucha guys to sort of try to um, maybe, and I don't want to say change their style to the American style because that's not really what they do, but maybe just hybrid it a little bit and to and to you know not just make it a complete spot fest, but to you know he helps kind of these guys um, create. Um, these matches that uh, you know, we, we're all really happy to have him as a as a resource. Um, you know, Vampiro's great, and 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 I and I like working with him. Um, you know, he's totally energized by this project. Project, you know, he's he you know he keeps bugging us to get back in the ring, and you know, I mean, you know he's 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 getting up there in age, and you know we're we're, we're thinking about it, but but. Uh, um, you know he he's uh, he's a great part of the team and a very important part of our team. Oh. Okay, thank you. Both, does that answer your question? The answer is is, is Dorian <laughs> Roldan suggested that we talk to him about an announcing and and um, he had hired him to do Triple Mania and so we went down there and we met with him and and uh, you know we knew he would bring something different. He's a little not super experienced behind the mic and. You know, I understand there's drinking games uh, about when he the amount of times he says brother and and everything else, and you know, <laughs> yeah, but that's just kind of who he is, and we 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 really just sort of let him be him. Well, real quick, oh, um, I, I enjoy him on commentary. Yeah, yeah, I think he's great. Yeah, very good. Him, uh, strike a very good and different. Um, don't have to hear the word vintage or um, any uh, <laughs> lame any any lame productions of a, of a of a app that never works. 
Um, real quick, um, Eric, I know we're very short on time. Um, Tofi, you can stay on the line. Um, Eric, uh, give a chance if you can give us a little teaser of the next episode of Alicia Underground and let us know how to contact you. Uh, Aztec Warfare. This is a, a crazy match that um, Krista Joseph and uh, I think Chris Roach came up with it um, years ago, long before they ever worked for Lucha. They would just they would just sort of spitball matches uh, between them. Uh, what would be a crazy you know cool match to do? Um, it's you know more of like a it's basically twenty man uh, match. Uh, somebody new comes in every ninety seconds, and the only way you get eliminated is a pinfall or submission. So it takes up the entire episode, and it is good. Oh, right. <laughs> it, it's a fun one. I, I will say we, it, it's a really fun one. Unfortunately, we do have to cut to commercial a couple times during the match, um, but but it is uh, you won't miss any action. Uh, there are, there are certain moments in there that are that are really fun and really crazy, and everybody gets a chance to really show what they can do. Good man. Real quick, how do we contact you, um, Alicia Underground? Hopefully we can have you back on um, for the new year um, very soon. So let us know um, how to contact you and what's next for you yourself. Yeah, you guys, uh, you you got my uh, Twitter. Shins found me. Uh, he has my, I think he has my cell phone. If not, give it to me. Uh, he sent me some stuff. I'm going to send you guys some Lucha swag. I know that uh, Lucha merchandise is a tough thing to come by these days, and we're working on it. I promise it's one of the high priorities for the new year, and we'll we'll try and send you guys some stuff in the next week or two. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you. And, thank you. Uh, thank you. you know, yeah. at Lucha El Rey, um, uh, you, I'm, I'm the worst Twitter person in the world, but uh, at Eric Van Wagenen, um, and uh, Facebook, uh, we have a Twitter page or a Facebook page, Twitter page, you know, all the all the social media stuff. Um, follow us on El Ray. We have a YouTube channel. Um, get uh, the El Ray Network. Contact your co- your uh, providers. Oh, and watch uh, the Celebrity Apprentice uh, <laughs> this Sunday. Uh, Season 14 premiere, Sunday night at 8. <laughs> Watch my, my man Donald Trump do his thing. He keeps getting that money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my other show. That's my that's my day job. Uh, Lucha's my, uh, my side job. I love it. Be your night job, you know. Day job, night yeah. job. Real, In some ways, quick, it's I'll, a lot I'll, more fun. Real quick, before we let you go, <clears throat> I'll definitely be honest, too, that you know I did watch The Apprentice and fell off and... I just saw the commercial today about Celebrity Apprentice with T.O. and I was like, man, I ain't watching that. But since we're the buddies on Eric and you are playing part of the family, you are on it. I definitely will be tuning in. <laughs> you can give it a chance. We look, look. I appreciate what we guys are doing for uh, Lucha Lucha Underground. We need the audience way more than NBC. So uh, if you have to choose, choose the Underground. I'm yeah, trying to get it out in Baltimore, and people talk about it all the time. Like whenever yeah, I go do. places. And then if if we have and also not the not the kiss up or anything like that, but if we had the swag and everything, people would just probably not shut up about it when they see us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll send it to you. And if you guys ever make it to LA, we'll get you you know in the crazy section for a taping. That'd be fun. Well, you know, we okay. are actually, actually we we are in. Um, uh, we do plan to be going to New, uh, LA next year. Man, this again, we do have mm-hmm. some uh, work coming up with a couple other guys, Screen Junkies on YouTube. Um, and when we come to L.A., we definitely will be calling you, and uh, we'll definitely be setting something up. If we're taping, you guys can come. We'll get you in, backstage tour, the whole thing. Uh, thank oh, you. Right. Thank okay. you. Yes, we will. 
Thank you for that. All right. So we will definitely make sure, Eric, that Shin will stay. Um, make sure his load lasts for more than five seconds. Hey, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey. You're going to let Shin talk uh-huh. a little more. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm the correspondent, so. Eric, have a happy new year. You and your family, you take care of yourself. Thanks, guys. Well, well, hopefully we'll be talking soon. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right. Good night. Everybody, that was the man himself, executive producer of Nation Underground, Eric Van Wagner. Big ups, all citizens. Big ups. Who do you think? Uh, The sensational one, Shane Blade, our great correspondent uh, for providing us with the guests today. Doing a great job, as usual. Was under the mat radio. Uh, Tofu, you still there? Yeah, yeah, still here. Uh, you drink your apple juice? Nah, not good. Go ahead, You know, Tofu the man. Tof, you know, uses apple juice as his pimp juice, so he actually, uh, actually, uh, Tofu and I, we were on Inside Wrestling earlier today, and actually, my head hurts from earlier because we had a big discussion about what happened at the end of Raw, and it just got on my nerves so bad, like, if anybody watched it. I didn't well, even uh, see Raw yesterday. Yeah, yeah, we did. Okay. And, and with that being said, so if you're here, uh, we have uh, exactly four minutes. And what I'm going to do, uh, give you a quick 30-second synopsis of Monday Night Raw. Um, or this, or just thinking of uh, the, the 2014, since this is the last show of the year. Uh, what first comes to your mind? I thought the show was fine. Uh, I always want to end things on a good note. Overall, the show was fine. Uh, we talked about it on Nate's show. Mostly just kind of annoyed how they just kind of shrugged off uh, Christian's retirement or whatever it is. Um, uh, hopefully, we'll see him again down the road. Uh, hopefully, NXT gives him a training position or maybe he does a commentator, perhaps an on-screen character like what they did with Booker T. Uh, I'm sure we'll see him in you know PWG, Ring of Honor, Lucha. There's lots of stuff out there. Um, you know, Vince is a dick. What much? What more can you say? But uh, you know. <laughs> mm. All right. Right. Um, real quick, year in review, 2014. So, name a uh, top two or three things that pops in your mind when you think of 2014 um, in the year. Sting being in WWE, that was good. Um, probably the other other positive thing I could think of is the existence of more alternatives, like such as NXT, Lucha. Ring of Honor getting a little bit better. Uh, overall, the Ring of Honor—not Ring of Honor—but overall, 2014 has been a bad year. Uh, network didn't really work out. Many people that should have gotten pushes did not get pushes, and multiple companies and more money was lost and made. Uh, hopefully, 2015 will be better. All right, okay. right. I'm gonna keep you on, Shin. I'm about to bring in real quick a good old buddy. Is he still there? No. He's about to bring in General T Storm. <clears throat> He had a, uh, he wanted to talk about Raw real quick. While we're at it, we're going to bring it on man real quick. Well, we had Tofa, good old man, Mr. Eric Hughes. Uh, uh, Saltine, Eric, Saltine. you there? Saltine. Saltine, you there? Yeah. yeah. What's up, Eric? Right, real quick, um, what's your uh, quick 30 minutes and 30 seconds synopsis of Monday Night Raw? And what was the big uh, biggest event that happened for you this year in wrestling? Um, biggest event was, um, I would say, Daniel Bryan. Well, we thought we was, was going to retire last night, but, hey, he wanted to be in the Royal Rumble, so that was a big, good 
good job on that. And secondly, the John Cena thing last night was kind of like messed up. I thought that was kind of like weak what he did because isn't his song supposed to be like you can't see what time is now? And he's like franchise. He's a soldier. He's supposed to be this tough guy, never give up, never surrender. But he surrendered to the authority. What's y'all thoughts about that? Four kids move on. Yeah, it's gay. Four kids stuff. Yeah, four kids move on. Open. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and game over. Your quick thoughts. Uh, twenty fourteen was great. Um, like folks said, I, I, I the. Rival Sting was excellent. I was at WrestleMania 30. Seeing The Undertaker Street be broken in person was one of the most chilling things I think I ever saw. Um, also, Brock Lesnar beating the unadulterated dog shit out of John Cena at SummerSlam was very, very <laughs> Can't wait for 2015 for all these other alternative wrestling groups. Lucha is the truth. Get with it. And um, I didn't see Raw last night, so I don't care. But the rest of it, yeah, it's pretty good. 2014 needed help, and 2015 seemed like it was going to be the Band-Aid. Yes, definitely. All right, Cook fans, uh, we thank you and love you all much. Last show of uh, last show for Under the Mat Radio for this year. We'll be back next Tuesday. will be some changes. We will have our own URL and um, own set up. We will give you all that information um, at the end of this week. Thank you much, uh, Shane Blade, for providing us. Thank you, Eric. Man, welcome to Spike TV. We're number everybody. 10. <laughs> Of uh, Leisha yes, Underground. Yes, we are. Uh, big ups to you. Uh, Bruce Hart, real quick, and Miles Johnson did a quick van, uh, fan vote of the top wrestling podcast. We can meet the top 10. Everybody yeah. for that. Also, thanks, Skip Badeau, Catch a Contractor. Thanks much to his family and all of Spike TV okay. and Elway Network for providing them. So, thank you much, fans. Anything else, real quick? Shin, Innocent Game Boy. Happy New Year, everyone. Stay safe. Yep. Take care. Yep. And, under the mat, and also hashtag Under the Mat Radio 2015. Big things are happening, and we're going to be number five. Yes. Five and up. Uh, toast real quick. Hashtag Apple Juice. Pimp Juice. <laughs> yeah, don't get shot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, Salty, anything you want to say? Uh, how much you, you uh, hate George Burkett, love Game Boy, the character? You gonna get your bucket? Yeah. Well, I want to um, send um, condolences to um, Christine Cardinal, the voice of Rugrats, um, Becky, and Dexter Laboratory. She's been a real blessing in our lives throughout our childhood, and I really appreciate her. So, wherever her family is, we thank y'all. We really thank y'all. Yes. Big off the General T Storm, everybody ACW, Stevie Ray Styles, MCW, Kendrick Kamari, the Vamp King, everybody else for that support. We'll be back with y'all. See y'all next week. Thank you, OCW. Thank you, Mike. Be easy. Start to you then. Beef and Reef. Goodbye. Later. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.